Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Georgian trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move! What up, what up? Welcome back to the Sneaker History Podcast. My name is Nick Ingvall, and I'm with my guys, Mike and Robbie, to talk some kicks. What's going on, fellas? How you doing? Yo, man. I'm doing good. I'm hoping that uh, my weird state of Texas doesn't kill us all when they try to reopen on Friday. Yeah, that's a that's a situation. I uh, <laughs> won't be out there, but they'll be out there. To quote yeah. Mike, the situation that is a situation. Fun <laughs> fact: um, I watched RuPaul's Drag Race on VH1, and they always have MTV commercials. I did not know that a all the Jersey Shore people were still alive, or b <laughs> still on TV. And so I was like, damn. <laughs> Shout out to Texas for creating a situation moment that reminds us of the situation. Uh, That's that's like the craziest, most random connection ever. Also, if you haven't seen the picture, I I might have to edit this out because I haven't checked with him before I talk about him. But uh, Brandon Edler, Mr. Brando 3 on Instagram had the full Jersey Shore blowout back in the day. It's oh, amazing. Dang. So if you if you ever feel like just like having a a, a good laugh, just just dig through. Uh, I'm sure it's on his Instagram page. But so, actually, also because I'm mentioning him, if you go back, probably probably about I want to say like episode forty or so, which is almost a year ago now. Uh, I actually had him on the on the on the podcast to discuss his like career and working with these working with influencers and working with the brands and working for finish line for quite a few years, complex, all that stuff, which is a really good episode. Great conversation. So it's definitely worth checking that out. I'll put a link in that or link in the description for that episode. But what were we going to say, Robbie? So with Jersey shore, it was so big in like 2007 to 10 in 2010. It was one of my friend's birthday in college and we had a Jersey shore party. I went and bought an Ed Hardy shirt from Dill. <laughs> And I wore it for that party and I returned it. But I wore a pair of um, hair eights, the Bugs Bunny eights. And these two here talk a lot of crap about the Jordan 8 on our Patreon episode. (laughs) (laughs) Not going to let us live it down. (laughs) If you like the podcast and you want to support us further, check out our Patreon because we have exclusive episodes and content available there for your listening pleasure. 
we weren't really trash talking the eight, but yeah, yeah, you, you know, it, yeah. I'm trying to sell it, man. Clickbait, come on. <laughs> it is it is worth listening to, definitely. But if you're not if you're not fully committed and and signing up for Patreon, do us a favor and leave us a review on iTunes, like JTH dollar sign dollar sign just did with one of our favorite reviews of all time. Quote: Not horrible. This podcast is about sneakers and sneaker culture. I don't hate listening to it. Man. Hey, that is as like, you know, I mean, that's how I feel about most of the things in life right now. So <laughs> no, I, I can relate. My parents, <laughs> my parents told me that growing up. I heard that in school. I hear that in bed. You know, it's just like that just comes up in my life. <laughs> Oh, man. But yeah, for real, if you do have a minute, leave us a review on iTunes. We are just one review away from hitting that magical 100 number. So it'd be super dope to do that before our next episode. But anyway, we got a pretty good, uh, pretty good lineup of things to talk about today. Obviously, we want to talk about The Last Dance. We've got a couple more episodes and um, probably going to going to talk a little bit about the, the, the Jordans that MJ wore through that era. But um, I don't know, Robbie. Robbie's got some some beef with some eBay uh, sellers, buyers. I don't yeah, know no, eBay I don't, patrons. I know anybody who sold shoes on eBay knows what I'm about to tell them. But people be wild on there. It's just like the arguments I get in on with people as the person with the product always makes me laugh. Um, I had this one guy tell me his house burnt down, so he wanted these shoes, and I'm like, bro, like. I'm not going to sell them to you super cheap because your house burnt down. Go fix your house. Like, I don't need to know that information. (laughs) You got better things to deal with. So like my favorite thing to say when people message me, what's your lowest price is um, what's your highest price. And that always makes people so mad, but it's like, makes me smile in the inside because with eBay, it won't let you post an offer. if It's lower than the offer I'm willing to take. So obviously you tried to hit me with that and the system denied you. So you're wasting my time asking me if I will go lower than what I'm willing to even listen to on the app. So like, I I always just have like, I'll either just like mirror their question to me back to them and that makes them mad and I laugh or I'll just, it's just, it's funny. This people on eBay buying shoes as a seller, it, it, it makes me laugh. And as a, as a buyer, um, it's taught me good manners. Like, don't, <laughs> don't message a person saying you get paid Thursday on Monday. I don't want to hear that crap. So I don't tell people that crap, you know? So it's, it's like, come ready to buy. Come with a reasonable offer. This, I'll talk to you about it. I'll go lower than the, the asking price, but just don't tell me your house burnt down. Go fix your damn house. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just going to go ahead. I'm, next time I go to, you know, when, when things open up again, like for real, I'm gonna go to House of Hoops. I'm gonna pick up a shoe and I'm gonna go to Cash. You're like, hey, um, can I get it for lower? <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's the same concept. Like, you go, we go to, you're not going to the mall. You're not going to a sneaker store. Like, yo, I see they mark for two hundred. Will you take a hundred? My house burned down. It is kind of crazy that 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 exists, but that's also kind of the nature of of like, you know, people f- not people feeling like it's more. Uh, I don't, uh, garage sale isn't the right word, but like almost like more like, you know, 
uh, like flea market type businesses on there instead of like actual, you know, brick and mortar businesses where like you would never go into a flight club and ask for a better deal. Right. But yeah. for some reason on eBay, people think that it's okay. Well, they get mad. I mean, imagine for saying no. Right. I mean, you can't be mad at me for saying no, but like I would say 80% of the shoes, 80 to 90% of the shoes I've sold, and I've sold a lot of shoes on eBay. I've sold for less than what I'm asking for. I leave wiggle room. I leave room for us to have a dialogue. Like if my asking price is 550, I might take 490. Like I'm probably not, but like it's that's if you offer me 490, we're talking. Cause then I'm going to say like 525, you'll say 515 and I'll be like, all right, like whatever, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Like I want these shoes gone. Like that's a reasonable exchange, you know, like come at somebody to barter, not just a low ball. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Cause it's, it's like the other platforms take out that negotiation in a sense, because you know that it exists, right? Like if you list something on goat or StockX or one of those like anonymous platforms, you see people like undercut you right away. Like no matter what you put as a price, somebody's going to undercut you like two seconds later. But I, I will say that like, I mean, this is a plug too, but like I post a lot of eBay links on sitting treasure um, on the Twitter account because I'm always on there just looking for stuff because eBay is still by far my favorite place to just like dig for sneakers or sneaker related stuff. And like in the last couple of days, I came across uh, like original air ups with the highs that had the strap, uh, like the baby air raids, like the sky raids and then stuff like, uh, Nike, like shocks counter display thing. So you could, you could, push the like shocks down to, to feel the cushion, like just the most random stuff. That's, that's like the stuff that I love about eBay. Cause I just feel like, I feel like that's the only place you're going to find cool shit like that. And the dude selling the shocks display isn't going to trip on 15 bucks lower. He probably wants that crap gone. So <laughs> yeah. like, that's where you can talk to people. And that's where it's like, it's my favorite place to go to. Um, and just like look around because I mean, stuff I bought off eBay I always offer a little bit less, but I'm not trying to like, you know, the person selling isn't running a charity. He's trying to sell a pair of shoes. <laughs> so. Robbie, I want your, uh, I want your off-white uh, blazers for food. I got three bucks and like Jolly Ranch from my pocket. Right, bro. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> one dude was like, it's tough out here. There's another guy said like, it's tough out here with Corona. I'm like, yeah, it is. Don't buy Jordans. Stay home. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Oh. oh man. All right. Well, now that we've, now that we've had our eBay conversation, let's, let's talk. Do we want to talk episode first or Jordan's first? Let's go episode first and then we'll close it out with the Jordans. Yeah. What was your first impressions of, uh, episodes three and four of the last dance? I was a hundred percent correct when I said that I would enjoy the Dennis Rodman episode because they, there was a little bit more insight to them than we typically get. Um, I think probably one of the favorite parts that everybody's been talking about is he him leaving the game with a with a middle light, hopping on a motorcycle, and disappearing for like eighty hours to Vegas, and Michael Jordan coming to get him out of bed and bringing him back to practice, and he in pajamas, and it's it's, it's fantastic, man. Uh, I didn't realize how much of a hippie Phil 
was uh, him tripping on acid when he was uh, when he was still playing uh, was it with the Knicks and I don't know I don't like this one you got stories about people I mean you still had your MJ stories of course but they had more focus on you know other other players and uh, in this in the space at the same time so I really liked it. How about you, Robbie? I took away that if I ever had to make a wish, it would be Phil Jackson and mushrooms. <laughs> like I always knew he was the Zen master, um, but Duke of Ball, like so, like the the Native American influences and the Buddhist influences. That's Phil Jackson one hundred and one. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, I always thought he was more of a scrub on the Knicks. I didn't know he was banana arms sucking up <laughs> like most awkward arms of all time like um but uh that was super cool i was eating dinner and i totally forgot about the dennis rodman episode so i caught the back half of it um so the phil episode was more on the front of my mind and man i just love phil jackson and it really made me think about how leadership is there's many aspects to leadership, but the biggest part of it is it's managing personalities, man. You have to be able to um, incentivize and know when to like put the carrot in front of the horse instead of putting, you know, the whip to the back of the horse. Like you got to know how to work people and fill this in his relationship with Dennis and then with Scotty and Michael and how he influenced Steve, like Steve Kerr and many interviews references what he learned from pop and what he learned from phil jackson like he he's just influenced so many people and he's a shit front office person but when it comes to coaching there truly is nobody better than phil jackson and Shaq and kobe beat michael jordan and scotty pippen every day (laughs) unrelated but always related Oh man. Um, yeah, the, the Phil Jackson stuff was amazing. I mean, I, I've always kind of been a fan of Phil Jackson and seeing, getting a little bit more, you know, insight into him as a person. And because it really is about a much bigger thing than just telling people when to set screens and when to, you know, roll and when to pass the mic and when not to, right? Like that to me is, is, I think the perception for like the, you know, the average sports fan. Right. But then once you realize what it takes to work together, especially with egos as big as, you know, Michael Jordan, it's, it takes a different kind of person to have the understanding of like, Hey, everybody's got to be on the same page. We need to figure out how to make this all work. And to hear his like upbringing in that I've read a couple books on him in the past. So I'd, heard a lot of that stuff, but it was, it was cool to like, kind of have it be reminded of it. Um, I thought that was really cool. I mean, I think, I think, you know, the first episode, the takeaway, clearly Dennis Rodman is just an amazing like athlete, right? He just, yeah. he just is incredible in, and, and knowing his place and understanding how he can benefit the teams that he played for with, without, you know, taking away from who they are. But then it was really cool to hear him say, well, it wasn't him that said it, but basically to hear them say that once he, he dated Madonna, that basically pushed him to be like, you know, struggle to find himself. Right. Um, 
I thought that was really interesting just because I do think that basketball players are very much stereotyped and pigeonholed into a certain type of individual. Right. And, you know, you can see how that formula works. You can see, you know, Michael Jordan and the success, you can see Kobe and the success, you can see LeBron and the success, but it was really cool to see all of those guys, you know, just appreciating Dennis Rodman and, and all of them vocalizing that they would not have won without Dennis Rodman. And I think that was a beautiful thing to see because you don't always, you don't always think of it that way, right? You think of Rodman as like the, the third wheel, like as he called it, and just this like defensive rebounding beast, but that doesn't always get a lot of credit in like mainstream, you know, coverage of, of sport because you want to see the scoring, you want to see the, the, the dunks, the alley-oops, all that stuff. So that was the thing that I took away from the first episode. The second episode, uh, I mean, God, the Detroit Pistons are just garbage human beings, right? Like <laughs> Isaiah Thomas is absolute trash. There's no, there's no excuse for not shaking hands. It was such bullshit. And then to have him show MJ the footage of what Isaiah Thomas said now, like making excuses. Oh yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I just, I mean, I just don't, I don't even think people like that should be given platforms. Like I think when immature shit like that happens, like just, you know, send them off to boot camp or something and, and let them come back a different, different person. But I look Who's at it like, Who well, like Oh yeah. Well, so Bill Lambeer is obviously like a terrible person, right? You, just <laughs> see, you see him trying to hurt people on the court and he's not very skilled. He's just a big overgrown guy. Like Isaiah Thomas to me, like kind of leading or both of them, like leading that whole no handshake thing. I, I have more respect for all the other players throughout the years, you know, like especially that episode ending with magic talking about hugging MJ and congratulating him. Like that's what the game is about to me. Like you, you put it all out there on the court and you respect each other. When you walk off the court, there are going to be days when you fight people. There are going to be days when you are annihilated. There are going to be days where you're victorious, but it's part of the game, right? Like playing any sport. That's what I loved about sports was being able to just give it my all and know that like, I'm going to feel good about this walking away and knowing that if I lose, I'm going to come back and beat you the next time. And that was the one thing with that episode. It was like, it was so disrespectful to me to see them not shake hands and then to have him make the excuses of like, Oh, if we would have known how people would react, we would have done it differently. It's like, no, you wouldn't have that's, that's showing your true colors. Right. And there's a lot of like commonalities where people are, you know, where people try to tie things together where it's like, Oh, well, you wouldn't want, you know, someone crazy like Rodman on your team. Well, yeah. If you understand that Rodman just needs to go unload and unleash his, all of his stuff for a while and take a few days off, he comes back to the team and he's, he's an, an incredibly important part to the team. Right. But like people that have that immaturity, like Lane Beer and Isaiah Thomas, I was just like, like reminded of why I couldn't stand those guys back in the day. And it just, it's like, what's the point of, of, I look at professional sports as like, I want 
to be able to watch professional sports and have my nephews and my cousins around and be like, look at looking up to these, these athletes who are doing something that most people aspire to do or are inspired by, by watching. And to see that kind of trash action or, you know, them, them being so immature and walking off court when, you know, yeah, like, okay, you got your ass whooped, like four games straight, you got your asses whooped. Right. But also like to have MJ say, yeah, look, I shook hands with them both times that they beat us. Like that's a part of sports. And if you can't do that, maybe you shouldn't be playing sports in my opinion. But I also know that I'm, I come at sports and watch it in a different way than most people. So I'll get off my little soapbox there, but I just want to say that like Isaiah Thomas, spill lane beer trash. It's a, it's a soapbox to be on though. So it's like, yeah. A lot of people know about how Michael Jordan kept Isaiah off the 92 dream team. That definitely had a big, had a big reason, you know, influencing that decision of not wanting to have him around those other players. Um, Cause he's always kind of been, you know, the bad boy Pistons. Like it's cool. It's a really cool moniker to have throughout time. Like bad boy sounds tight. But, like, you don't make any friends. Like, you don't have a lot of allies outside of your team playing that way. There's a Laker analogy in my life for everything. But it's like Paul Pierce was great, but Kobe was better. Like, sure, Paul Pierce was a champion, but Kobe was a multi, had more championships. Isaiah Thomas and Magic Johnson were the same thing in the 80s. And, you know, late 80s, early 90s, you know, back-to-back champs for Detroit, but that doesn't beat the Lakers five. Magic got all the positive press. Magic was bigger, had the better smile. And Isaiah had a great smile. But just the way they played were so different and their personalities came off so different that the same kind of love will never be had for Isaiah when compared to Magic. Same thing with Paul Pierce will never have the same kind of love Kobe's going to have. It's just like two players in the same era, hyper competitive vying for the same thing being an NBA championship. But it's just the way you go about it has a real big influence on how people remember you and the way the bad boys Pistons went about winning leaves a sour taste to just about everybody who wasn't a Detroit fan at that time. Nope. Uh, <laughs> that is complete facts. Um, I rewatch. I mean, clearly when that was played, I was super young, so I don't have a real record or take that back. I wasn't born yet. <laughs> uh, I had no recollection of it. And watching it like, man, I mean, I know they say it was a, a more, you know, physical league back then, but they were just straight fighting or trying to start fights with people like, as a way to get into their heads. I think that was just ridiculous. And the fact that they just bulls kept coming back. I mean, third time to charm, they finally got him. And it's, I mean, it's pretty Bush league that they did walk off. I mean, MJ said it, we shook your hands after you beat us twice. Just deal with it once. Well, and it wasn't, it wasn't just the piss. So we have to put this out there. Kareem punched somebody in the face. Um, the Celtics weren't known to play particularly clean basketball either. It's happened throughout basketball history, especially at that time. Um, but 
it just wasn't cool, man. I mean, like Michael Jordan was giving you the business for four years. So you had to do anything you could to neutralize them. It was a one man show. The Jordan rules made sense, but it's not sportsmanlike. Yeah. I mean, and, and I totally understand, you know, like rough basketball, right? Like we've all played pickup ball with, with people that play rough and you, you do the same thing the bulls did. You, you muscle up in the gym and you go back and you play tough, right? Like that's how it has to work in those situations. I just had to have had an issue back in the day with like the lack of sportsmanship and mm-hmm. the same thing, you know, watching this, I'm just reminded of like, like you're still trying to cover up your actions in this interview. Like, how long ago, how long ago was this? And, you know, I think that, I think that, you know, the roughing people up and the fights in the NBA that used to happen. Yeah. It was, it was a part of the, you know, the big man era of basketball, right? Like when you have, you know, six, 10, 250 pound dudes muscling each other out of the box every game and everybody's dumping the ball in low and that's the game. Like, yeah, there's frustration that that Jordan literally can fly above you and, and make you look like an idiot. There's also frustration that your style of play is going away. Like I totally understand all those things, but I just think at the end of the day, if you're going to be so disrespectful, you know, it's just, it's, I mean, that's, that's just like unacceptable for me for a professional athlete. Right. And I think there was an interesting comment about Dennis Rodman, right. Or that he made where he's like, the game of basketball is is easy. I'll play for free, but it's dealing with all the other shit that is, is difficult about being a pro, right. That's what you get paid for. And then to, to hear him say that, you know, after the fact, but then knowing that he was a part of that team that didn't shake hands, it's kind of like, that sucks. You know, like, that sucks that that you couldn't deal with the off court, you know, normal kind of tradition, I would say. And I get that sometimes it doesn't happen. I get that it's not a required thing, all that, all those arguments. But I'm just saying, like, as a as someone who respects athletes, I feel like even when I lose in whatever I'm doing, whether it's sports or whether it's, you know, competing on different things in my work, I'm still respectful enough of the person to be like, yeah, you beat me. Okay, good. Now I'm going to come back and and be more motivated to get my shit going to win next time. And Mm -hmm. I just thought that was so unacceptable. You did make a great point though, Robbie. And I, I, I've always wondered about this and I would, I, I hope that there's like some sort of the last dance for the dream team. Cause there's been a couple of documentaries through the years and there's been a couple of good books but like, I would love to have this level of like, you know, 10 hours worth of footage type of thing. I always thought that Isaiah Thomas was also well past his peak at the point of the 92 dream team. So I didn't really think that it made sense for him to be on the 92 dream team. And I know that like magic was obviously dealing with HIV and hadn't played for, you know, roughly a year. Uh, So it kind of was weird that he was on the team, but I just felt like both those guys were past their prime and were kind of just, I don't know. I I felt like Isaiah Thomas was, was well past his prime in terms of like his own individual skills. 
but like he played for a team that that obviously won championships in his last couple of years but i don't know that his numbers were up to par if you if you were to look at that and i'm just this is all based on memory not i'm not looking up numbers to be like yeah he sucked but <laughs> pure speculation no. yeah. <laughs> Can, can I take um, 15 seconds to say I appreciate Ron Artest um, for being <laughs> kind of crazy and willing to fight people, but it's be like jovial about it. <laughs> like Bill Lambeer was not nice. Ron Artest would throw an elbow in the back of your head if you're James Harden, but then like be apologetic. <laughs> <Always about it. laughs> yeah. I love also, Ron Artest. Also, I'm going to take 15 seconds. And can we just acknowledge that Dennis Rodman was a SoundCloud rapper before SoundCloud rappers existed? Yes. Great. No, I like it. Oh, Tattoo, <laughs> tattoos, piercings, colored hair, chaos, drinking, like un- unexpected everything. Like that's basically what you need to be a SoundCloud rapper, right? These kids are amateurs compared to Dennis Rodman. <laughs> Can I, can I just redundantly get 15 more seconds to say Carmen Electra to sit there in the interview and be like, Dennis was wild. He'd have like girls around and as his girlfriend, that's tough. It's like, Carmen, like. <laughs> Thanks for showing up. Here's your check. Yeah, right. I mean, you're either a real one or real crazy. Like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I think I'm you, into. you knew what this was. But I was like, yeah. oh, man, Carmen hiding in the closet with Michael coming in. That was, that was funny. That was pretty funny. And the, all the stuff with Phil in Puerto Rico, like the, the chickens, like what? <laughs> like run across the freaking bench. Yeah, that was nuts, man. And then seeing like how, like with the footage that they showed, you're just like, damn, they are playing like crazy rough ball. Dude, they were about their life out there, apparently. <laughs> but um, I just got to say – before we kind of wrap on the Isaiah hate fest, kind of in his defense, we love Michael Jordan a lot. Like if, if this documentary has taught me anything, it's that I hate going on Instagram the next seven days after, cause I get freaking sick of hashtag the last dance. And I'm already, <laughs> I'm already sick of, and I'm hashtagging it too. I'm not immune to it, but it's like, everybody loves Michael Jordan. It's just like the longest line ever to kiss his toes. So like that does not help Isaiah. <laughs> in this story. Dude, he got I mean, it's very true though. It was like, it like, it's just happened yesterday. Every sports show, no matter the channel, I was watching FS1. I was watching ESPN, anything and everything that had a moment to talk about it. I think even good morning America this morning was talking about it. And, Isaiah just has to stay in quarantine. Just don't come out for a couple months. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's just like, this is how significant this Bulls team was during that era, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think that there is ever a team, without going back to like the really old Celtics days, maybe like the early 80s or like mid 80s Lakers, right? But like very, very few teams that make an impact on society on a global level like this, right? Think of like even like the Warriors now, LeBron now, even Kobe's, you know, winning teams, right? We're fans of Kobe. Do we care about most of the other players on those squads? Not, you know, not unless you're a Lakers fan, right? Like it's kind of, you know, whatever. But there was the beauty of this whole era 
was that even me as, as a kid in, you know, California, or I might've been living in Oregon at the time, you know, you got to watch the bulls almost every night on WGN. If you had cable or like in my case had like a neighbor friend that had cable and we would go watch the games because we knew that it was going to be on and you didn't have that with the other teams. So it was like this perfect mix of all these things that, you know, we take for granted now because back then things were just so different, but not to, not to, you know, pick on Isaiah anymore, but you know, whatever it's Isaiah. I actually <laughs> like Joe Dumars from that team and have a Joe Dumars. I had, I don't think I still have it because, but I had a Joe Dumars Pistons Jersey for, for years. So it wasn't specifically the Pistons that I didn't like. It was really more like Bill Lambeer, Isaiah Thomas, even uh, Mark Aguirre. I don't know why I didn't like him, but I just didn't like him at all anyway. So, so about fifth of the team, they were like, mm. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, yeah. people, people didn't like them because they were winning. And, and that's what's annoying. And I have the segue of a lifetime here. And that's why, like, the Bulls hated the Pistons so much. And they brought this up in the documentary. The Pistons sunned the Bulls for three years straight. So yep. in the four years that they met, they met four years in a row in the playoffs. So in 88, Pistons won 4-1. 89-4-2, 90, well, not, skip that all back a year. So um, when they won, the Bulls won, obviously. Um, the year before that, when they lost, um, it was 4-3. That's the migraine by Scottie Pippen. They lost 4-3 to the Pistons. Year before that, they lost 4-2. Year before that, they lost 4-1. So they got their asses whipped so bad the first time and incrementally got closer to beating Detroit. So that was years of bad blood and years of literally climbing a mountain. Like you get a little bit further each year. You win one more game each year. And then you finally beat the snot out of them. And yeah. they, so there was like a four-year period where MJ just, you know, couldn't do it three to the four. And just his teammates brought this up. MJ was always so serious and so – you know, narrow minded to just want to win. He only really showed frustration and anger and to see him hold the championship and be so, you know, happy is the best way of saying it. And letting himself go and cry was just three years of buildup, but getting your butt whipped. Yep. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, any other, any other takeaways from, from these two episodes that, that you guys like, you know, thought were notable or, or you want to talk about? Um, how Dennis Rodman can come to practice hungover and still outrun the whole Bulls team is pretty spectacular. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> that story was so great. Uh, Love it. Yeah, I, uh, I think the, you know, I remember the story of Dennis Rodman and the gun and all that. I, I wonder like what the, actual story was because obviously it's uh you know it, it was the end of his time with the pistons and yeah. you know I, I don't i don't think that we'll ever really get that story or any truth to it because it seemed like even he didn't really want to talk about it um but i think it's cool that that he is actually you know obviously spending some time with these guys doing the interviews for this show and 
the, the fact that, you know, the fact that he's like opening up about a lot of stuff to me was just such a cool thing to see and to, to, to kind of, you know, realize like he, he understood so much more than what the media back in the day gave him credit for. Cause it was like, Oh, here he is crazy hair again. What's going on with Rodman? What's wrong with Rodman? What's wrong with Rodman? And it's like, nothing. I'm good, man. I'm just playing basketball. Like, yeah, I, I learned a lot. I thought he was just literally just from everything you saw as a kid. He was just a, a crazy guy, but literally he, that's just how he felt comfortable in his, his own skin was doing those kinds of things. And he was not comfortable when he was with Detroit. So it was really cool to hear that and hear that he actually did get along very well with Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen and Phil. So I think that was more, it changed perspective from what I knew again as a kid. So that's, I think that's why I enjoyed that episode so much. Yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting the way that the the second episode kind of jumped around a lot. There was a lot of like back and forth. And then all of a sudden you're at like the 90, you know, what, 97, 98 against the Jazz. Um, yeah. That was really odd to me considering, you know, if if you're doing anything in chronological order, we're still six episodes away from the end of this story, right? So that was kind of the weird part about this week's episodes. Um, but I think, I think it was cool to see more players getting introduced, like seeing Will Purdue, BJ Armstrong, you know, I, I like that they're not putting everybody in every episode. That way you have like some new faces to, to kind of come in and tell their side of the story for these, yeah. you know, cause you know, it's, as much as it's like, you know, these like kind of core group of guys, it's really just Phil Jackson, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen that were there for the full run. Right. Everybody else was like there for two or three years, maybe four, but it changed all the time. So, um, that, that was kind of really a cool part of it. The other part of it is like, I always love seeing the way the triangle offense works in that, in that way of shifting the triangles, because when you hear the triangle offense, you don't really, you don't really think of, of the visual and seeing that, you know, you see it a lot watching basketball or watching, you know, ESPN type stuff, but seeing that again, reminded me how much like I appreciate the, the dynamics of that offense where, you know, I think from a, from a, without, without being like paying attention to it all the time, you don't think of that. Like if you're not playing basketball, watching basketball every week and thinking about how all these different things work together, it was really cool to see one, how they had to really kind of convince Michael to be in on this whole concept, but also to say like, Hey, this is, this is kind of how it works loosely. And you know, give that visualization of people moving and the opportunities that it creates by with those movements, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know it took so much for him to buy into it. I was really surprised about that because just again, th- these are things I just had a just a very faint uh, set of information about because I thought he when Phil was there, boom, he brought right into Phil. I didn't know that he didn't like Phil at first or his his ideology. So it's really cool that how they uh, show that progression of like, okay, Jordan finally understands that he can't do this by himself and his brain to basketball feels bringing in is going to get them championships with 
He did. So here's an aspect to Mike they keep alluding to, but don't really want to go into too much detail about is how supremely confident he was and maybe to a fault to where it was the Michael Jordan show. And we know he wanted to win the championship. Like I'm not at all questioning his drive, but I don't think there was a bone in Michael's body that didn't like putting up 63. And yeah, the losing part sucks, but being like the dominant lightning bolt on the court must've been pretty darn fun. So I could see how he liked playing for Doug Collins and they were getting into the playoffs and for the most part, deep in the playoffs with everything being the Jordan show and Kobe got, you know, a bad rep for wanting to be like the pure alpha, but he learned that from somebody and that somebody's Michael Jordan. So I totally got how he didn't want to buy into the triangle at first because for years he had to be the one I keep wanting to say lightning bolt, but he was just so fast and dominant and explosive that he was just used to running that way. And he probably deep down felt that was the way they were going to win was through him. So to get him to accept a different way must've been harder than kind of, they were letting on in the documentary. Obviously it worked and everything's, you know, hindsight's 2020, especially when you have six championships at the end and you had zero before. But, man, Jordan definitely liked being the talk of the league. Yeah, like being the guy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great point. I mean, it, it, it was really interesting to see the transition from uh, Doug Collins to, to Phil Jackson, too, and, and to see – obviously how much that, that whole shift meant to Michael. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, um, I'm looking forward to kind of seeing, I guess more, hopefully more about the, they kind of alluded to it, like the leadership of, of MJ with the, with the players um, because I think that, I think that once he bought into Phil's system, he realized, Hey, this can be, you know, really successful for us or, or for, for me personally, maybe even. So, um, I'm, that's what I'm definitely looking forward to over the next few episodes. But, um, any, anything you guys are looking forward to before we get into, uh, the Jordan stuff? Nothing particular now. I mean, my, like I said, my big thing was seeing more about Rodman, hearing about that story. So I've, I've gotten my uh, uh, what I was looking for. But I mean, I'm just looking forward to seeing, um, you know, just the rest of the rest of the story where it leads to. I mean, this has clearly sparked a lot of uh, not only conversation with the Bulls, but now I've seen two different documentaries that are supposed to be in the works from just how well this has uh, been received, and that's going to be. Um, because there was a camera crew following Kobe his last season. So that's supposed to be a, uh, a documentary coming out sometime in the future. And as we were, uh, as we're recording, I was reading that D Wade has a, uh, he's producing a documentary about the redeem team. So um, I just like what it's sparking. So 
I mean, I'm sure by the time these come out, the world's going to be normal again, but it's still going to be something that I think pretty interesting. I'm glad this came out to start giving, letting people know we want to see these stories. Yeah, I'm looking forward to those too. I want to see the real moment. We've had a little taste of it with Michael yelling at people in practice. It all comes back to Kobe, but when he was yelling at his teammates, like, you guys are soft as Charmin. Like, I want to see Michael. I want to see more of that, a lot more of it. And I, <laughs> I, I know we're not going to get it, but I, we'll, we'll probably get clips. But I want to see more of that. I like to see it. I think, they, I think you probably give him a limit. It's like, hey, we can only do 10 minutes of me yelling at people. 10 seconds at a time. <laughs> it's like the time between yeah. 10 weeks of episodes yep. or five weeks of episodes. Um, so as we're watching the, the last dance, uh, these last few episodes, obviously thinking a lot about the, uh, the Pistons and Bulls rivalry, we wanted to talk about the Jordans that were worn by MJ, I guess, and the Bulls through that, that era. Um, but what, I guess like what's what are your favorites what you know we're talking like 88 to 91 right mm-hmm. so what do you guys what do you how how would you guys rank those shoes what are your favorite colorways from from we're talking the Jordan 3 to the Jordan 6 basically yeah um i mean we're, we're, what do we want to do just i mean it's four shoes are we going to look at all four of them might as well. All right. Well, I guess at the number four on my list would be the Jordan 5, um, which is actually a pretty tough list because every one of these sneakers are freaking, like, just amazing. But number five would be the, you know, just a victim of, you know, too many riches here. But uh, black metallic uh, five would be my favorite colorway of that particular shoe. So... The Carmine, I mean, the six, um, the Carmine six is my favorite. Go listen to Patreon. I go into more detail. My favorite Jordans ever. So outside of that model, though, I mean, outside of that colorway, none of the other ones are as good as the other three models colorway offerings. So of those four, the six comes in at four. Yeah, so like Mike said, this is a really tough, tough group of shoes because to me, this is the best of the best of the Jordans, right? I mean, aside from the ones, three through six, if I had to pick four, those were the four I'd go with. So um, I think in order, it's probably the five for me, um, the black tongue with the 23 on the side being the number one, uh, the, like the top, the top of the fives, right? So the number four for me is the Jordan five, but the black tongue fire reds with the 23 embroidered, uh, chef's kiss. <laughs> we need a retro of that. Cause we keep getting the silver tongue fire reds, but we need that black tongue. It's been more than a couple years on that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, well, so got- the five has to come next for me just because the other two are just better. 
But like you just said, the black tongue is amazing. Like Mike said, the metallic five is also in my, my top five favorite Jordans. Um, the white fire reds that come out this weekend, those are up there. So yeah, this is the five is the next best one. See, I'm a flip flop. So I'm a six is the next one for me. Uh, infrared six, uh, I go into more detail about this, but it's one sneaker. I, seem to always miss out on when it releases. Um, but it's just a clean shoe. Um, like, and I mean, I, I can't really say anything bad about any of these. It just happens to the next two are, are just more special to me. I like them more, but I will take any one of these in a heartbeat if someone hands them out. I think I'm, I think I'm with you on that one, Mike, the, the infrared sixes. Um, it's so difficult because each of these shoes to me is very much about the moments that, that I remember and the infrared six, especially because we just watched these episodes that, that like kind of up with the right hand to dunk, but switch to the left lay in against magic and the Lakers is like, so vividly in my mind at all times anyway and then to watch it again you're just like i mean i was sitting on the couch just full goosebumps on my arms because it's it's i mean i just can't i can't express what these moments meant to me as a kid watching and wanting to be like mike and wanting to be a you know have the sneakers and play basketball and the swag and all everything that, that these guys were. So, um, yeah, infrared sixes for me, number three. Robbie, what you got? So I could flip a coin with these two, but like the three comes in next for me. Um, specifically he wore the fire red threes against the Pistons in the playoffs. I think the fire red threes, like probably the most slept on of all the original Jordan threes. I really want that one to come back. I really want the white cement too, but just the black cement gets all the love, but true blues, white cements and fire reds are just like, they're all iconic, right? We've seen them on hip hop magazines, album covers, uh, on court by our other favorite athletes. And it's the, the three you can't go wrong with, but the four is just better. <laughs> So, <laughs> I mean, I'm in the exact same boat as you, man. Um, for me, it's the, the Black Cement 3. I mean, that's the that's the one I own along with some others, uh, but that's the one I wear the most of all my threes. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he wore it in the All-Star game of 88, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's just so iconic looking at it. I mean, that was kind of my – the Black Cement 3s were my consolation to missing out on the True Blues, so – um, I'm right with you when you need to bring back some of those other colors. So I'm going to go, I mean, this is a, is a toss up every time, right? But I'm going to go oh, with yeah. the fours at my number two spot and really just thinking about that shot over Craig Elo, right? Like, I, I mean, I feel like I probably tried to emulate that exact hang at the free throw line shot. Uh, I would guess like a thousand times, maybe, maybe 5,000 times when I was a kid. (laughs) 
but that um that moment to me is is will always be one of the most special and that shoe will forever be like in my possession in some way shape or form until i kick the bucket so what's last number well i mean me and robbie have the same number one uh Mine's going to be the well, Jordan 4, but the particular Jordan 4 that is my favorite. But I I always have a hard time finding a picture of Michael Jordan actually in them. So I hope you guys can kind of point me in the right direction. But it's the military blue 4, my favorite Jordan 4. Uh, I mean, the bread 4 has never been my favorite. I don't like the new buck on it. I'd rather have the 5. Mm-hmm. But not even a question the white cement four is like the epitome of perfect fits every occasion but the military blue is is definitely like a close second yeah it's a close second i sold my 2012s thinking that the another that the new retro was coming out soon and it just keeps not happening and i feel dumb for not having a pair but white cement is just I'll keep saying top five Jordans, but Carmine's, Black Cement, um, Carmine's, uh, White Cement 4s, Metallic 5s, Royal 1s, and then like True Blue 3s. So like these are like four of the five are these four models. So it's just like, it's, it's a beautiful thing to have all these options, but it's tough to pick. Yeah. Yep. I mean, the military militaries are so up there on my list too. As a kid, that's the shoe that I wanted because I never saw it really like everybody else. You know, any kids that I knew from school that had Jordans always had Bulls colorways. So I just always gravitated towards like the militaries and the true blues. Um, the, you know, for me, like the number one shoe is probably the white cement threes. Although I wear black cement threes more. White cements, the free throw line dunk, the whole dunk contest, like that to me is just like you can't really touch those moments. Um, but I'm with you guys too. Like the the white the white cement fours, I mean, it's just like so beautiful. It's just it's just crazy how when I think about all of these shoes, and I I like can't even. I can't even like put into words how much emotion is wrapped up in all of these moments because of what you saw Michael do in them. Right. And I hope that the next generation and the generations that follow in the sneaker world get that same type of like connection between the shoes that they're buying and the shoes and and the players or the entertainers or whomever where they can relive those memories, whoever those people that they look up to are. Because to me, that's always going to be the reason why I love sneakers is because I can hop on here, talk with you guys about them, relive these stories. I can go meet somebody on the street pre-coronavirus days and, <laughs> and like, you know, see them wearing a pair of shoes and have a conversation about those shoes and find out what got them into sneakers and why they love those shoes and hear their stories about what they meant to them. So it's, it's just really cool to have, you know, the last dance kind of re reintroducing this whole, you know, storyline to not only like the older folks like me 
And, but also the, you know, young 15 to 20 something kid that may not have had the experiences growing up and is, is getting to see what, what, you know, kind of that previous generation really like keeps harping on about like, Oh, it used to be like this kind of stuff and not in a way that's like preachy, right? It's like this documentary is just crazy entertaining to be able to like relive these moments for those of us that were around for it, but also for people that didn't pay attention as much back in the day to kind of understand, Oh, that's why all these guys are crazy about sneakers. That's why all these guys are obsessed with Michael Jordan. So, um, to me, that's, that's really, really cool. But I guess we're pretty much at the time limit. You guys got any, any parting shots for, for anything? Uh, I just feel like I'm gonna make some bad shoe purchase decisions. This show is killing me because I will sit there just looking at a bunch of nonsense knowing I don't need it. So Y'all just so, hope I don't I don't buy anything stupid. So so what what pairs what pairs are now on the radar that weren't pre the last dance? Well see the thing they were kind of there before, but now but they were always on the back burner. I was like, oh, I don't need that right now. And um I, I think I talked about it. Yeah, I talked about it on the Patreon, like playoff thirteens. I don't need them. I want them. Uh I want a little pair of twelves. I want a pair of playoff twelves. Never had playoffs twelves. I had the cherry twelves. But now I want playoff twelve, so got some got some things working against me right now. <laughs> Cherry thirteens, man. That's the only. See, I'm looking at those two. Like I'm just looking at a bunch of thirteens. Like the any any white and red, black and red variation of thirteen. I'm kind of looking at, and I'm just like, God dang it, because he. I don't know what it is, and I can't remember who I. I can't remember who said this or where, where I heard of that, but just everything he Michael Jordan. Like shows him wearing, like on on the court, it's just we. It's been twenty years, but it just looks like awesome again. Like seeing them in the Bulls warm up with the thirteens on, you know, in the locker room or, or taking practice shots. I'm like, why does this look so cool again? Yeah, it is pretty crazy. I uh, I, I I've actually got a couple of Jordan twelves on my uh, watch list. The um, the playoffs. And then I think Robbie mentioned it maybe on the Patreon episode, but like the, the wings colorway, I, I just like, they've only been in a couple of, a couple of shots, but I look at those, I look at that one picture that we posted on Instagram, uh, with where Pippen and Jordan are wrestling Rodman away from a argument and they're both wearing the twelves, like the, the taxi twelves. Taxi tour? Yeah. And that just kind of sent me down the the rabbit hole of Jordan 12s where I'm like, oh, yep, definitely need to get these again. Definitely want these. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll see what, what I actually pull the trigger on because I feel like we've still got, what, three more weeks of this to go. So if 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 all three of us come out of this last dance uh, without purchasing any Jordans, I'll be... I'll be completely blown away. <laughs> I mean, if we're betting people, I mean, smart money is on Robbie that he's gonna come out with something. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably likely. <laughs> I feel like I feel like at any moment Robbie might have just ordered a pair of shoes while recording the episode. <laughs> I've done that so many times. Like, I mean, I don't feel comfortable saying how many times I've ordered shoes while recording. <laughs> hey, so if if you guys are listening and uh, you want to support our habits, 
please sign up for our Patreon, become a patron member. Uh, it'll it'll help uh, it'll help offset the cost of talking about sneakers with each other on a weekly basis. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we appreciate everybody listening. It's been awesome talking about this. Let us know what you think of the last dance. Uh, it's, it's really, uh, kind of the focus considering we don't have any other sports going on right now. And the sneaker releases, although the DMP sixes was an interesting one, it's been a little slow lately. Uh, I think rightfully so we're all kind of, kind of trying to wait this out and not spend as much money. But mm-hmm. let us know if you have been copping stuff because I'd be curious to know what you've been going after. If this ep- if this show is is doing the same thing for the rest of you out there that are loving sneakers and reliving all these memories. Uh, but as always, my name is Nick Engvall. You can find me at Nick Engvall on all platforms. More importantly, just follow at Sneaker History everywhere. And guys, let them know how they can find you. Yeah, Mike Guillory. You guys can find me, of course, here on Sneaker History. Also on Instagram and Twitter at MadWatcher789. And you guys can watch my caveman beard keep growing on YouTube right now at Mike Guillory. Nice. Um, you can find <laughs> me arguing with people on eBay at R-A-H-B-E-E-702, which is also my Instagram handle. So come fight me. <laughs> uh, right on. Uh, we'll catch you all next time. Peace. See you. Yeah, bye. Hey everyone, this is Nick again. Before you take off, I wanted to ask a couple favors of you. If you're interested in more content from the Sneaker History crew, become a member of our Patreon page where we post daily content, drop exclusive episodes, and host monthly giveaways. We'll even help you hunt for your grails. Check us out at patreon.com slash sneakerhistory. Also, make sure you sign up for our email newsletter at sneakerhistory.com slash email. We send out weekly updates on the footwear business and what we're working on here at Sneaker History. Last but not least, take a second to tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how much it means to someone, and it might even plant the seeds for something even bigger. As always, we appreciate you, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.